Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. On what matters. Paul is telling Timothy to focus on this message of Jesus. And it's kind of hard to focus on the message of Jesus when you're supposed to be teaching the gospel and people are beating up your mentor. When you're supposed to be teaching the gospel and your mentor is in jail. When you're supposed to be teaching the gospel and your mentor is putting life and limb in danger to teach this same gospel and telling you to do the same. But Paul tells him, even though I'm in chains right now, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came and lived a life we couldn't live, died a death we couldn't die, and rose on the third day with all power in his hands, that message could not be chained. Even though he was in jail, even though he was locked up, that message that he had was not locked up. There's a reason this is the best-selling book of all time, because that message could not be changed. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God lasts forever. And that is 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll be reading verses 8 through 15. Remember, hear ye the word of the Lord. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer, or for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal victory. This is a wonderful, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk about multitasking is overrated. Multitasking is overrated. Uh, Having been somebody who is, who has been rather between jobs more than once, I, I pay attention to a lot of um, job descriptions and job applications. And something I see over and over again on these job descriptions for applications, positions open, is must have the ability to multitask. <laughs> must have the ability to multitask. They want someone to be able to juggle multiple projects at once or juggle multiple jobs at once. And quite frankly, they do it because the company wants to make as much money as possible without spending 
as much money as possible. So if I can get one person to do three jobs instead of paying three people, uh, that will affect my bottom line. In an increasingly busy world full of distractions, multitasking has become the norm. Uh, that sounds great. It looks great on paper. You, you look at how busy you are. You look at all the things you got going on, and I'm doing all of these things. And, but the fact of the matter is, is people way smarter than me, neurosurgeons, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, people who study uh, that thing inside your skull that does all the thinking, also known as a brain, uh, say our brains are not designed to do too many things at once. And not only are our physical lives not really designed to do too many things at once, but our spiritual lives is actually better to do one thing at a time and focus on that and only what really matters. I used to think it was funny when I saw people like uh, Mark Zuckerberg and, and um, uh, some other, uh, Steve Jobs and others, I noticed they wear the same thing every day or something similar to it. And I thought that was kind of silly at first. But then I realized um, after reading a little more about them, they would wear these things over and over again because they had determined you really only make so many decisions a day before your brain starts having what they call decision fatigue. Uh, and and the, once you hit decision fatigue, your, your decision-making quality goes down. And so there are people who get into routines over and over again so that that decision does not have to be made. What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Which way am I going to take to work? so that they can spend more time focusing on the things that matter. What's the new app that I'm going to design or what's the new feature I'm going to add to this website? Because they know the power of focus. We look at lights. We have some very nice lights and they spread the light out. These very nice electrical lights spread the light out and they provide illumination so that we can see. But if you were to take that same light and focus it into one area, instead of having it spread out, we'd call that a laser. And the more powerful the laser, uh, the harder it could cut things. My point is, is focus helps. And Timothy is being written to by the Apostle Paul, a letter of encouragement. And I told you uh, last week when we talked about fanning the flames, he realizes this is an old preacher talking to a young preacher. He realizes that this uh, young preacher is about to lose the step. He's not as excited as he was before about carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. He's not excited anymore, so he tried to tell him how to fan the flames. And now we move from fanning the flames to focusing on what really matters. And multitasking is overrated. So he's first given a reminder. Let the church say reminders. Uh, he tells him to focus on Jesus Christ, a descendant of David. That's what really matters. 
Timothy is someone who came from a mixed family background. He had a mother and a grandmother that was a believer, and he had a father that was not. He was in a place where it was not very popular or uh, very nice to be a believer in Jesus. So these things, they, 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 they got to him. But Paul told him to focus on what really matters. He tells him to focus on what really matters. Paul is telling uh, young Timothy to focus. And I can imagine Timothy being in uh, the 21st century and having to get this message and receive Paul's message on a smartphone while checking Twitter and also sending a text message to a parishioner and also having an email come in at the same time. And Paul is trying to let him know that he understands what it's like. He had to be a multitasking Pharisee back in the day. And in your reading, if you go uh, on your own to read Philippians 3, he'll tell you all the things he did. Paul was a busy person. Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews, other texts say. He was a tent maker. He was a chief among the Pharisees. He knew what he was doing. But now this old apostle is telling his young protege to get in the habit of simplifying his spiritual life so that he can be the best Christian he can be and present himself to God as an approved worker, a workman needing not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I didn't read this part in your hearing, but uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 uh, uh, verse 3 talks about enduring hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There's other parts where he talks about being an athlete and comparing this thing called Christianity to being an athlete. Now, I listen to a whole lot of sports talk radio. I pay so that when I miss it, it'll still be on my phone so I can listen to it later. That's how much sports talk radio I listen to. And every interview I hear, I can separate the really good from the great. Just in their interview. Uh, the really great athletes always talk about focusing on what they can control and not worrying about what they can't. They know the part that they can control and they don't worry about those things and they don't try to do things about stuff that they cannot control. And the great athletes focus on that. Bill Belichick, <clears throat> sorry, Belichick, coaches one of the greatest athletes uh, uh, most dominant athletes of the time. I mean, not that I'm hating or anything, but when you have uh, three other people in your division, uh, three other teams in your division that have been under 500 for like the last 15 years. Uh, but Tom Brady, otherwise, he has in his gym a countdown clock from one Super Bowl kickoff to the next. He eats foods that I would think are nasty. He avoids foods that I think are good, but that's why he's still playing in his 40s. And most of us started popping our knees to get out to bed around 35. He focuses on what matters. Focus on what you can control and leave what you cannot control. And Paul encourages him to focus on this task because the gospel itself, the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, a descendant of David, knowing they called him a descendant of David because that was a prophecy that he was fulfilling. Uh, the Messiah, the Savior, had to be the root and the offspring of David, so he was going to be in David's lineage. Focus on Jesus. 
Focus on Jesus and nothing else. Focus on that and you will be all right. I was watching a video about multitasking. And in this video, they said that a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. Nine whole seconds. And I thought that was interesting until I got to the next part of it. And it said in the video that a hum the average human now has an attention span of eight seconds. And at first I thought that was kind of weird and that there was no way that could be true, but then I thought about my phone and the number of notifications I get. And I thought about video games and I was at a training where they talked about how you need to do things to reach the youth and they said you gotta realize that when you look at a video game, that child is being rewarded on average every second and a half. When they play the game, they get some sort of reward, some sort of enforcement, some sort of positive encouragement so that every second and a half, they've gotten their attention again. And then I was reminded of a, a project that um, one of the youth ministry students I worked with way back when I was volunteering for youth ministry and they had, a, they had to do a study on music videos and how many times a music video changes shots. And the average was a second and a half. So if you've grown up expecting something new and fresh and attention grabbing every second and a half, I can see how our attention span has been lowered to eight seconds. We got to keep things moving. What's next? And because they say that we can only focus on something for eight seconds at a time, when we multitask, in quotations, we're not really multitasking. We're microtasking. I worked on this part for eight seconds. I, I did something about this email for eight seconds, and then I did something about this program for eight seconds, and then I got the news playing in the background, and I'm yelling at the politicians for eight seconds, and then I've got the music playing at a low level on my radio, and that's eight seconds. And what you've done is you've gotten a whole bunch of stuff done, you think, but what you really did was make an inch forward on a mile in every way. Where had you focused on the one thing, you could have got the whole mile out. Multitasking is overrated. It'd be faster if we focused on one thing. My very first job out of, I was still in, no, well, my first official job. I, I had some jobs under the table when I was 13 and 14, but my first job where I got a check and filed taxes on it was at Kroger. And I used to, uh, uh, they brought me on at, at 14, 15 years old, and they were like, I wanted to be a cashier. And they said, you can't be a cashier until you're 16. But I tell you what, just come on and bag groceries for a year, and it will make you a, a cashier at 16. That, that didn't happen, but that's not part of the story. Uh, I, I, was a, I was a bagger, and what you had to do was bag groceries, and then they had a list, and there was a rotation. And so if I worked for an eight-hour shift at Kroger, I would bag groceries, but at least once before lunch and once after lunch, I'd have to go clean the restrooms. And then once before lunch and once after lunch, I'd have to go out to the lot and push carts in 
that people had left just anywhere in the parking lot because, you know, they say they pay people to pick up carts in the parking lot. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at all. I'm just saying, you know, when you leave them way out and you park almost a mile away from the store, somebody's got to come get that, and somebody behind you may not get a cart because of that. I'm not bitter, though. Not at all. Not at all. I'm over it. Yeah, yeah. But I'd be out there thinking I was doing something because I'd run from one end of the parking lot to the other, trying to grab as many baskets as I could to push them in because I'm going to clear this lot in 30 minutes. But there was another older gentleman that worked the lot as a bagger as well. He had to be in his 60s, named Michael. And Michael always seemed to clear the lot faster than anybody else because he focused on one area and went in and pushed these in five at a time and then went and got another five and pushed them in five at a time. And by the time his half hour was up, the lot was clear as opposed to rushing one place to another. Focus on what matters. Paul is telling Timothy to focus on this message of Jesus. And it's kind of hard to focus on the message of Jesus when you're supposed to be teaching the gospel and people are beating up your mentor. When you're supposed to be teaching the gospel and your mentor is in jail. When you're supposed to be teaching the gospel and your mentor is putting life and limb in danger to teach this same gospel and telling you to do the same. But Paul tells him, even though I'm in chains right now, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ came and lived a life we couldn't live, died a death we couldn't die, and rose on the third day with all power in his hands, that message could not be chained. Even though he was in jail, even though he was locked up, that message that he had was not locked up. There's a reason this is the best-selling book of all time, because that message could not be changed. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God lasts forever. This message, cannot be un- this message cannot be changed, so he needs to be reminded of that. And because he's reminded of that, he gets results. Let the church say results. results. Uh, if we die for Christ, we'll live for Christ. Yes. Paul, Paul is quoting a hymn at that time that people would sing at the time. If we die for Christ, we will live for Christ. If we endure this hardship, we will reign with Christ. I know it's bad right now, but if you keep pushing away, if you keep pushing away and stepping, it will get better. Endure that hardship, and if we deny Christ, he will deny us. But if we are unfaithful, God's word still remains faithful. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should seek cause to repent. Just focus on that word, and that word will take you through. God's word does not return to him void. And so there'll be results if you stick with Jesus. It may not come in the way you want it. It may not come in the way that you have designed it in the way that you intend for it to be, but there will be results. And because there are results, we get responsibilities. Let the church say responsibilities. Responsibilities. He reminds Timothy of some of his duties as a pastor. Remind your people of the great spiritual truths 
warn them against petty arguments and strive to become somebody that's approved by God, not being ashamed. He keeps telling them not to be ashamed because it's an opportunity to be shameful during these times. No fancy churches, no pastors with full-time salaries and pensions once they retire, no, no, no great buildings to be in. No, this was hard work. The Christians were in the minority, and they ended up becoming the majority, but during this time, it was not fancy. So he told them, do not waste your time arguing about stuff that doesn't matter. I was once reading a book, and it said uh, it was a self-help book. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it said to think about everything you did. You, you, uh, you, if there's something that's, ma- that's got you upset, ask yourself, is this something that will matter in 500 years? And if the answer is no, then there's no reason to get worked up about it. Will this matter in 500 years? And so he says to present yourself as well as workmen proved, approved by God. Focus each day on pre- pleasing God and seeking God's approval and everything else falls into priority after that. Uh, and Paul is not talking about uh, what they, during that time, there were these people called Pelagians. And these Pelagians thought that you could work your way into heaven. If you had enough stuff on your resume, God was going to let you in. No, no, no. He's not saying work to be saved. Work because you are saved. You're not working to get the salvation. Your salvation is getting you to work. I, I, the Bible says to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit the sick who are in prison. James says that pure and undefiled religion is to take care of widows and orphans. If you've been saved by the, the grace of Jesus Christ, you don't just sit up on your own in a country club like nothing else is going on. You got to get out and do some work. Yes. Yes, sir. This is seeking out work as a response to what God has done through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not working to be saved, but working because you are saved. And if we focus on the core of the gospel at the start of every day and shape our thoughts and activities accordingly, we are more likely to remain focused on what really matters. And so we present ourselves as a, uh, to God as somebody approved to him and, and, and be a worker that does not need to be ashamed. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel, even though he was in jail. A, a, a dirty background is enough to shame a whole bunch of people, but it was not enough to shame Paul. We should not be shamed. It's the power of God for salvation of the world. And we might be tempted to think that the gospel is something secondary, something private, something less important than the rest of the things we got going on. We put Sunday on the back burner. But the gospel is supposed to bring everything into alignment with our lives so that we can consistently be focused on Christ. If we live our ways, if we live a way that we were to please God, there'll be no secrets, there'll be no division. And no focus or no cause for shame. If you are truthfully working for Jesus Christ, there is no reason to be ashamed. And then to rightly divide the word of truth. Uh, That Greek literally means to cut straight. Cut straight through to the truth of the gospel. 
We don't need to engage in what they call trolling, trying to get people mad or get a rise out of people. We, we, we need to simply state what we believe and more importantly, demonstrate how it works by living that out day to day. And we can cut through a whole lot of endless talk and verbal junk if, and not engage in stuff that gets our blood pressure up and gets us mad about things. And we got people, as my mama says time and time again, living in our head and not paying rent. If we state what we have and live by it, we can accomplish God's purposes and please God. We focus on what matters. That Jesus Christ, a descendant of David, came down and lived a life for us. He was crucified. He was hung. He died. But three days later, he rose from the dead with all power in his hands. But that is not where the story ends. He's coming back again. So we ought to live life like he's coming back again. We ought to treat our neighbors like he's coming back again. We ought to treat our enemies like he's coming back again. Focus on what really matters. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.